You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly podcast that shines the light on the world's biggest energy source. Solar Insiders is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy, and Sophie Voroth, the editor of One Step Off the Grid. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Pylon, helping solar installers and retailers design high-resolution solar proposals in minutes. And Nextracker, delivering the most advanced solar tracking technology and the highest performing solar assets in the country. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and the EV focused, the driven and joining me is Sophie Vorat, the editor of One Step Off the Grid and deputy editor, of course, of Renew Economy. Sophie, how are you? I'm very well, Giles. How are you? Oh, look, um, just fine. Just fine. I'm just sort of struggling with the cooler weather, but um, that's okay. That's okay. We've got our solar panels back on the roof. They were off for a while while we changed roofs, but um, all's good now. When you say cooler weather... What are we talking there? Not what you'd understand in Melbourne <laughs> as being cooler weather. That's what I'm talking yes. about there. I'm Don't still come running. Look, I was I was running around in my shorts and my t-shirt, and then my 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 wife did suggest that um, look, if you are feeling a bit chilly, maybe you should put on some long trousers mm. and a and a jumper. So I did today, but um, it's getting cooler. But the water's still beautiful, so that's a good thing. That is now, a good thing. It is a good thing. Now, look, um, we've got a, another interview for this week's episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. And then in part two, we'll be back with some discussion about that and some of the other news. Who have you interviewed this week and why? Uh, this week, I spoke to Stan Crepan, who's the CEO of Solar Victoria. Um, we thought we'd have a chat to him because uh, we've just had another Victorian budget and that means a few changes and and in the funding and also um, the uh, rules, some of the rules for the solar homes subsidy scheme, which has been a really successful scheme in Victoria, helping to uh, increase the uptake of rooftop solar and batteries and um, electric hot water systems and also EVs now. Um, Yeah, so it's it's a huge job really and Stan's been doing it since 2018. And so it's always good to check in with him and see how it's going and what's working and what isn't and, uh, yeah, what they're, what they're doing to fix things up. Well, let's find out what they're doing to fix things up and what they're doing otherwise. Um, this is Sophie interviewing Stan Crippan from Solar Victoria. Welcome, Stan. Thanks for having me, Sophie. It's been a while. It has been a while, we, we've, uh, but you're, it's always great to have someone on the show who has your breadth of knowledge and experience. Um, and we've just had another budget in Victoria. Um, so we thought it'd be a good time to check in with you and see what's what that means for Solar Victoria and for the Solar Homes uh, scheme. Well, look, uh, Solar Victoria and the Victorian Government Solar Homes Program, Sophie, is going strong. We're in our fifth year. We've now reached... More than 265,000 customers have had an installation, um, predominantly still solar PV, but also batteries, hot water, electric vehicles, home heating and cooling upgrades. Uh, you know, the list goes on in terms of the suite of programs that we're, uh, we're administering. And um, about 300,000 customers have been served. So in our fifth year, you know, we couldn't be prouder of what we've achieved. We work really closely with the industry in that respect um, uh, and uh, obviously continue to do so now that we've got the outcomes of the budget. And I think the great news about that is that we've confirmed across the forward estimates the 
number of rebates and um, that that support remains uh, from the government mm -hmm. is still very strong. <clears throat> Excuse me. And for next year, so the 23-24 financial year, there'll be 53,000 rebates and interest-free loans available for PV customers. Uh, and that's both for owner occupiers as well as uh, renters. And the rebate will continue at the current rate, which is $1,400. And then we offer a matched interest-free loan for that component as well. And is this the first year that you haven't um, indexed down the the rebate? I think we've had this one for a couple of years. I've got to try and remember back in the memory banks. Uh, but there has been this tendency to reduce the rebate, and that's largely based off historical reductions in price. But that clearly hasn't happened um, yep. in the last couple of years with all the supply chain uh, um, uh, challenges, supply chain challenges that the industry and we've been experiencing. And what that's meant is, uh, I think, you know, all of the pundits and certainly our experience with our customers customers and, and industry uh, that prices aren't coming down as, as much as they used to and indeed in some cases have gone up, particularly for higher end products. I'd imagine yeah. that'll stabilise over time and, and again start to continue that um, that reduction. But for the moment, uh, we've listened to industry. Uh, you know, the industry was very strong in advocating to say, don't reduce the rebate this year because those prices are still high. Uh, and obviously the government is... Uh, uh, is conscious that people are doing it really tough. Electricity bills are, 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 are of concern. You know, every day in the media we're hearing new news or decisions around those things, and that means that solar is really popular. Uh, but increasingly, people wanting to optimise their solar, which is a fantastic thing. So, if you think across the country, almost three and a half million households with solar uh, PV, rooftop PV, if you like, um, there's this great opportunity, I think, on getting people to optimise that, and that means converting over time, particularly in the southern states, Victoria and SA, uh, converting from gas to electric heating and hot water in particular. Yep. Um, we'll go further into a, the hot water part of it mm. a bit later, but I just wanted to chat with you first about the changes for the battery storage incentive because it um, has been a rebate. Um, and that's been going for, is it as long as the solar one or not? Uh, about long? six months later. So the 1st of, yep. ju 1st of July 2019, we launched the battery rebate. Um, and at that stage, I think it was about $4,000. Um, $4, um, it's now $2,950. And that'll continue yep. until the 30th of June. And uh, more than 13,000 customers have now accessed uh, that. Um, the government's original commitment was 10,000. We're expecting that uh, with the rebate will probably end up somewhere around 17 or 18,000 customers to have taken up. So it's been expanded back yep. in 20, 2020 uh, in the height of the pandemic as you know people were sort of starting to take up batteries that expanded. Uh, but what the government has announced is from the 1st of July that the program will convert to a zero interest loan uh, product, but a more generous uh, offer, if you like, in terms of the reduction yep. up front. So uh, four and a half thousand um, loans will be on offer um, at 8,000, up to 8,000 eight hundred dollars each uh, and so if you think uh, for say a you know six or seven kilowatt hour uh, battery uh, that would probably mean you're not paying anything up front and that you can pay it repaid over four years yeah um, and in those circumstances if you're paying say six percent on your interest you're saving about five hundred dollars a year so it's about two thousand uh, dollars that you'll save uh, and obviously you get to pay it off um, 
uh, paid off over time. But um, yeah, that's the big change, I think. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes with the industry. Some it people will. are predicting yeah. that it'll go off like hotcakes. Uh, others saying that it's not as attractive as a rebate. But uh, obviously, in the next uh, four or so weeks, as we get ready for that launch, we'll be working closely again with the peak bodies in the industry to make sure it's a smooth transition. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely committed to there not being a hiatus. So we'll receive applications right up until the 30th of June for the rebate. And so now is the time, I guess, to be promoting those and marketing them to the customers that that suits. But from the 1st yeah. of July, we'll be in market with the uh, interest-free loan product. And that may be more attractive to some uh, yeah. because they don't need the upfront um, capital outlay. You've had great success with the industry loan for the solar um, component of the rebate, haven't you? It's been really popular. So about 70% of our customers take up the interest-free loan. And so obviously with a rebate, that's an immediate um, discount, if you like, at the at the point of sale. The uh, addition of a loan of $1,400 makes it more attractive. Um, mm -hmm. So they get the best of both worlds. They repay it over uh, four years. It's a relatively modest payment. I think it's... Um, I'm just trying to think, um, $30 a, a, a month uh, is the repayments. Um, thereabouts, someone will correct me, I'm sure. Um, but it's a pretty modest amount, and so it allows people to take that as a discount and uh, yeah. offers that as a reduction. There are some cheaper PV systems on the market where you can pay um, zero up front, but most people are upsizing to about 6.6 .6 kilowatt hours, and so yeah. they're paying three to 4000 uh, if not more, depending on the quality uh, up front. Um, so it is a significant um, uh, significant discount. But uh, the interest-free loans have been really popular. And now that interest rates are higher and certainly biting on things like mortgages, interest-free becomes much more attractive than it was it at, say, does. you know, 1% or 2% on a honeymoon loan. Yeah. Um, just before we talk about the hot water part of the scheme, how popular has, I mean, are you able to tell how popular the rental side of it has been? Like how many, um, you know, landlords have been taking up this offer? Because we have, there's been quite a bit of debate, um, you know, in the general media about, uh, you know, cost of living and the struggle that people are having with rental properties and, you know, what kind of owners should be on landlords to, to make sure houses have energy efficient uh, appliances, they have solar, they have um, electric hot water, et cetera, et cetera. So, but that, you know, it hasn't been easy trying to get that sector in. Um, has, has Solar Victoria had much traction? Well, we're continuously looking at ways of uh, improving the program, adapting it. We've made heaps of changes. And uh, I think uh, we've demonstrated to the industry that we listen, that we're responsive. We have an industry and consumer reference group that's now been convening for over four years, which includes installers and retailers, as well as some peak bodies. And that's been an incredibly rich forum for us to hear what's happening in the market. Mm -hmm. And many times that's not about our program at all, but really about um, solar or the renewable energy sector or in around electrification and energy efficiency and uh, those members have been really generous with their insights but also use okay. it as a platform to, to advocate and this will be one that I think will continue to be uh, a tricky one because nobody has the perfect solution and mm. uh, it's definitely not easy we've had 4,000 uh, investors or landlords take up the the rebate and the interest-free okay. loan a little bit less yeah. uh, landlords take up the interest-free loan so it's only about half Oh. Uh, and in most, most cases, although they can, under the law, pass on 
the contributions to the loan, they don't. Um, they don't see that as um, uh, either in their interests or because they don't want to um, put that pressure on their tenants, which is right. not a bad thing, right? Mm. Um, but they're getting the benefit of the rebate, $1,400 plus the interest-free loan. Uh, but it is it is a challenging one. We generally get about 1,000 to 2,000 applications a year. Uh, that program hasn't been running as long as uh, as the owner-occupiers. But I think it's it will remain to be, it'll be, remain a challenge while people are under pressure with interest rates yeah. and additional expenses because you know in the case of um, uh, landlords you know I understand one and a half million of us own a second property that is generally rented mm -hmm. um, and whether you're an owner occupier or a, a landlord as well uh, you know those pressures are, are mounting you know it's you've got the mortgage cost. potentially yeah. you've got additional expenses on your on your rental property but we are continuously looking at um, at ways of enhancing that program we've probably had a little bit more success with our home heating and cooling upgrades um, oh, okay. uh, we're about half of those applications I think we've had 40,000 applications and about half of those uh, rental properties there's no loan there. It was a, uh, a rebate of $1,000 on a, a reverse cycle heating and cooling upgrades. That was a little bit more popular. Mm. Uh, and I think partly because the capital outlay is a little bit less, yep. uh, it obviously increases the comfort more mm. directly than a, than a PV system, which obviously reduces your bills and does good things for the environment. With, with heating and cooling upgrades, they make the unit uh, more attractive to rent, uh, obviously more comfortable for the tenant um, mm -hmm. and uh, make it more energy efficient in terms of obviously lower bills. Uh, but also in Victoria, we have minimum standards around heating and cooling now in rental properties uh, as well. So I think there's a combination of things yep. that are driving, driving that uptake. Okay, and with the solar hot water, um, or I mean electric hot water and also solar hot water, which has been a component of the scheme since the start, um, yep. how's that going? And um, there's been some big changes there too, not so much in the offer, but um, this time around in your notice to um, industry, you flagged a few new rules and some new recommendations yep. just to try and tighten things up and to really um, smooth that transition away from gas. Um, can you talk us through that? Yeah, well, the hot water program has been going since we started. It's a $1,000 rebate and it's continued to be so and will be into next uh, financial year. Uh, again, um, the original uh, commitment was 60,000 units. Um, just looking at my figures here, substantially less, I think, in our fourth year. Uh, about 6,100 uh, applications okay. have been made. Uh, Having said that, uh, last month was our record month for installations under the under the program, okay. uh, and this year is the highest year on record. And that, going back to what I said earlier about working closely with industry, we've made significant changes to this program to make it more attractive. We now allow people to bundle PV with hot water, so we mm -hmm. allow you to get both uh, rebates if you like. Uh, but also we've made it more attractive uh, and really promoted the heat pump aspect of it. Um, originally we've, we referred to it as a solar hot water program and indeed that's how it was conceived in, in the beginning with either gas boosted or electric boosted right. hot water. So that's a whole we different technology, isn't it, we're talking about? Absolutely, yep. and we, we, we no longer uh, support uh, gas boosted uh, solar hot okay. water um, uh, and that's consistent with the government's announcement around reducing incentives around gas mm -hmm. in residential settings. So both for us and the Victorian Energy Upgrades uh, program as part of the gas substitution policy. 
uh, in this state, uh, but making it more attractive for heat pumps. And we're now finding that more than 90% of those applications are for electric heat pumps. Right. And that market is really booming. Um, and indeed, that's what we hear from, uh, from industry. We've also made the application process a lot more streamlined. Uh, you don't need, for instance, a, a rates notice. We ask for a declaration. Uh, it's a really straightforward digital process, that, whereas in the past it was largely a manual one. Uh, and uh, again, we've worked with industry to co-design that, and that's just seen the, seen the numbers grow substantially, and I would expect that they continue to grow. Uh, yep. into next year. But I think people's awareness has changed a lot as well. Yeah. You know, we used to think of um, the electric heater or the electric uh, hot water or the electric cooktop uh, as, you know, the old technology and the mm. um, uh, less efficient technology. And that's no longer the truth, of and course, because the most efficient, the past, yeah, yeah. much more expensive, mm. you know, most of us are very concerned, particularly coming into winter in Victoria and SA, um, about our gas bills, perhaps more than uh, than our electricity bills yep. and uh, you know for those that have got solar really looking to optimize mm. um, and so we're seeing this huge growth in interest in, in heat pumps and indeed in broader uh, electrification and we've, we've certainly been riding that wave um, with the industry as well. Because heat pumps hot water can act sort of as a battery in, in a sense can't it if you? Well obviously it's storing yeah. heat mm. and so it in that sense it can be a to use the colloquial you know the the heat sink um, so yep. it's an efficient form it's using heat exchange obviously which is how it creates that efficiency dividend but they're really attractive um, units now as well and mm -hmm. we're seeing some of the big companies really marketing uh, heat pumps and meeting the demand mm -hmm. uh, in solar victoria we also administer a really significant um, training and workforce development program uh, it's a, uh, i think 11 million dollars over the last few years has been committed to those various programs uh, and earlier this year we launched a training program for plumbers yep. uh, really focused on um, solar hot water but more importantly around heat pumps and uh, we're just saying I think we've funded 200 places this year with the plumbing industry climate action center oh, that's great. we're seeing we're seeing them taken up really quickly because of you know plumbers are, are finally realizing that there's this market and, and demand there yeah well I think it's as you said it's not the awareness is growing in consumers but we do also need to work on the industry side because I know that um just as a real life example my mum her ancient ancient gas hot water system died spectacularly and yet yeah, the plumber was horrified that she wanted to replace it with with electric because I said you know because she has solar and I said you absolutely have to get electric and um, he, you know he, he took some convincing and then eventually did it but I think then set it on the wrong temperature so she it was way way too hot for her area and so that's been a part of what you're trying to fix now as well isn't it the the sort of um, you know making sure people understand how they work um putting them on the right settings for the right place um and all of that kind of and, and the right size for the right household all that kind of thing it's really important look i think there's a huge market opportunity for um, businesses that understand that the demand is growing the mm -hmm policy need uh, and environmental need for us to convert homes in particular from gas to electric and that that's in consumers interest particularly if they've got solar pv and or or, or, or a battery um, the businesses in my view that 
create that as a package. Yep. So the solar businesses in particular, I think are really well placed, make it really easy for customers mm. to upgrade when it suits them. And obviously for a hot water unit, it's going to be when it breaks down, when you're renovating, when you're building, yep. you know, uh, it may be that uh, some people are uh, upgrading just because they've got an older unit and they want to save money. But I think it's really those inflection points that are key changes in habit. And what we need is plumbers and electricians that can guide people yep. uh, and make it easy and make the electric the obvious choice. Mm. And in doing so, we've really recognised that the market has shifted. Uh, we put a notice to market out, as you mentioned. Uh, we just put that out in the last couple of weeks. And five of the requirements are all around uh, optimising heat pumps. And so it includes uh, recommendations around climatic conditions. We've mandated timers for them so that they are genuinely operating at a time that optimises the use of solar. And many of them come with that integrated feature anyway. But there are these lower cost units that don't. Mm. Um, and for that reason, and we've made it really clear that that's what we expect because it, we want it to operate in, in consumers' uh, interests. And obviously quality is going to be an issue as well. And for heat pumps, we know that there's been issues in the past, uh, particularly with undersized, um, undersized tanks, right. undersized systems, uh, poor quality uh, units with with uh, with um, uh either no warranty or, or sub-optimal warranties. We mandate a five-year warranty right. under our program. That's really important. Um, and all of our products are approved for both STCs as well as by the Essential Services Commission mm. here in Victoria for energy upgrades or white certificate schemes, uh, if you like. And, you know, we continue to ratchet up. We're not, um, we don't resile from being able to influence the market in that way, yep. given that we have such market share. We've done it with PV, for instance, mandating smart inverters well ahead of the Australian standard. We've just done it um, uh, announcing a mandate that will come in on the uh, 1st of March next year, uh, which will be the CCPOS, yep. so um, the interoperability standard around PV. So, you know, if those things come up for heat pumps, definitely we'll be looking at them. But uh, the industry has been great, I think, in, in being forthcoming about those matters that they, they want to see improve. Mm -hmm. And we see that as a really important contribution that we can make. Yep. And all of these rules and recommendations are, are really gearing, as, as Solar Vic has been doing for a while now, gearing towards electrification of everything, electrification of households, um, because it's all about, you know, optimising your use of solar, using it on site, um, and, you know, really crunching your energy consumption as much as possible as well as you know installing efficient appliances and and you know that's going to be good not just for the consumer but for the grid as well eventually um is do you see that things are changing in that way too do you think um industry and consumers are starting to get their head around that and how I it's moving. I agree. I think we've got a long way to go mm. in terms of that, that awareness piece. But interestingly, our customer insights, um, so we, we run a, a survey that's always on mm. called the Voice of Customer, and we've been doing that for four years. So we've got really great... Uh, insights and longitudinal insights. And we know that people are engaged yep. in terms of their solar. They optimise their appliances uh, and indeed program their appliances to optimise solar. Two thirds of them indicate that they are interested in converting uh, their water heating into electric and similar numbers around heating as well. And uh, I think that's really striking. And so we see our role as enabling that mm. and supporting that. And we think this year in particular, we'll continue to grow that. So putting out information and guidance as part of the government uh, support to electrify. Um, obviously, we've got a suite of uh, incentives there and we see them in a broader electrification yep. 
strategy. Uh, it wasn't originally intended that way in 2018, but definitely we're, uh, we're rising to that challenge and working with industry about how do we make sure that our rebates fit into a broader narrative. We recently completed some work with the Centre for New Energy Technology, uh, which uh, yeah. is a, a research, independent research outfit. And uh, interestingly, and this won't be a surprise to listeners, about a third, uh, sorry, about, uh, customers uh, export um, about two thirds of the power that they generate with PV. So yeah. they only consume uh, a third. And we know that uh, the best financial benefit from PV is not from the feeding tariff, it's actually from self-consumption. Yeah. And so bringing that up from a third to a half or even two thirds relies on you converting some of those appliances, particularly heating, which is your biggest, then second is heating water, um, and then a cooktop and other appliances to a lesser extent. So um, guiding people through that journey so that they can optimise the solar that they're generating is obviously their best financial uh, investment and uh, we certainly see our role as promoting awareness but in a broader ecosystem it's been I've been delighted to see some of the work that's coming out of ACT out of South Australia and other jurisdictions around um, PV yep. and uh, electrification you know there's some wonderful stuff now coming out of choice uh, and even some of the large energy retailers now really seeing it as part of their job to to support people to optimize solar. yeah you're definitely seeing that you know even from AGL which was the gaslight company <laughs> saying let's go electric so it's good to see um, from a government side um, is there I mean it might be difficult for you to answer this but with this, the Victorian government has um, got, got a roadmap to get out of gas um, but it's very much sort of um, a stated in, a, a intention at the moment um, do you think that's policy is going to ramp up on that side more um, soon it's a really clear policy uh, and it's definitely a market signal, particularly for residential um, uh, circumstances that uh, houses will need to come off gas. Um, that was released last year. It's being updated this year. So post-election, I think there's a genuine commitment that that would be be refreshed. There's a number of initiatives that were announced in the gas substitution roadmap last year, which will be implemented this year. Um, you know, whether it's around um, the building code or uh, new subdivisions or uh, indeed the removal of uh, incentives, ours being the first, uh, the Victorian Energy Upgrades, the White Certificate Scheme will transition and they've already been consulting around new activities and products that will be subject to the energy efficiency certificates, but also reducing those for, for gas and encouraging more electrification. So I think they're really clear indications that this is the direction that we're heading in. It's what we're hearing from the market also. Now that may have preceded the, the policy or it might be as a result of the policy. It's probably a bit of both, uh, to be honest, but we are seeing all electric subdivisions now announced in Victoria and um, uh, new homes and particularly some of these more progressive builders announcing that they've gone all electric, including you know one of the biggest um, uh, volume home builders in Victoria uh, has announced that all of their homes are electric as standard now. Um, and and to recognise that it actually volume home builders and developers have a role, not only in leading the government's implementation of the policy, but, but supporting their customers to be future ready. Um, and so really supporting, encouraging that. I think you're hearing similar signals from the Commonwealth in terms of the transition. And obviously this, the Commonwealth budget is generous in terms of the billion dollar uh, commitment towards electrification and low interest loans. 
uh, we work really closely with uh, Commonwealth agencies, including the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, and ideally um, would like to have achieve some complementarity there. So if people are coming to Solar Victoria for a rebate and a loan, that they might couple that with, for instance, a loan that's uh, administered by the CEFC's program. And there's some discussions that we're having. Yeah, and that would be a great thing because then people don't need to sort of go through two agencies to, to organise their finance and everything like that. It would be fantastic to have, as people say, a one-stop shop that they can just go and get these things done um, with the confidence that they're accessing everything that they're um, eligible to access. Um, have you had much feedback from people with existing homes um, saying it's difficult to disconnect from gas? Because we have had a few, you know, we've had quite a few readers say that it's been quite a complicated experience for them. Um, you know, it's one thing to build without it entirely, but it's a whole other thing to to cut yourself off from the gas network. Have you had much feedback on that? We do hear claims like that, and certainly the uh, the experience of customers on the ground we take re really seriously. It reminds me of those sort of early days of solar PV where the connection and uh, connection to grid might have been delayed or you might have been curtailed or the paperwork was too substantial. I think as this market grows and as that demand grows that um, necessarily it will get easier and uh, ideally cheaper as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, but I think it's so novel for some of these companies that um, uh, it's been hard for them to adjust, but I think definitely we're seeing a growing growth in demand and I think that will create its own pressure and uh, I guess advocacy for, for change. Okay. And just finally, what do you see as the biggest sort of growth area for Solar Victoria? I mean, I, obviously your rooftop solar has been the huge sort of winner, in all, I mean the winner, the leader, I guess, um, in all of this. Uh, but do you see that other parts are going to start to take off? Do you think batteries will really take off or do you think it's going to be the, the hot water and the, the um, heating and cooling that really take off now? Well, I guess any uh, prediction that I make is, <laughs> is probably <laughs> yes. going to be discredited at some point um, because these markets are just so hard to, to predict, aren't they? Yeah. And, and uh, even the best experts in the country are uh, often uh, proven wrong with their with their foresights. But look, uh, for us, uh, focusing on the core of our program, solar homes and the PV rebate will be the key. Yeah. Uh, we are looking always for opportunities to improve. We've got to in implement the interest-free loan for batteries on the on the first of July, and I'm confident um, that we'll do that. But understanding our work in a broader uh, ecosystem uh, yeah. around electrification and supporting our customers with our insights, with what's available in the in the market around information and guidance, is something that we're really keen on. Um, there's still unfinished business. We know that uh, renters, apartments, things like that uh, yeah. would benefit from PV, but there are still barriers, and and looking at opportunities to remove those barriers. The other thing uh, that we've uh, I think both demonstrated and learned with 300,000 customers now is we've got really rich insights into why do people take up PV? What are their concerns, their challenges? What do they see as the opportunities? And we have fantastic insights from industry as well. And so myself and my leadership team are really committed to how do we share that, particularly in the context of uh, a Commonwealth that has uh, a Commonwealth government that's put out progressive policies uh, in this space, but as well, many state governments exploring new policies and programs and supports around electrification. Obviously, there's that whole community uh, spirit that's been activated by people like Saul, Saul Griffith and others. We really want to be a part of that conversation. But be 
because we've got such rich data and evidence, we're really focused next year on how do we publish that? How do we get that out there um, to benefit not just Victorian customers and Victorian uh, businesses, but also more broadly national uh, businesses and, and consumers? Okay, so you, you really, it's that education piece that we were talking about before that um, really helping people to understand all of the benefits and um, also how the market is changing. Uh, absolutely. And these are complex programs to implement. And that means that for businesses, they're complex to mm -hmm. uh, navigate and administer, but also to get things done at scale, which is what we need. We're in the critical decade. We're almost at the end of 2023. You know, the, the next seven years are, are critical. We need yep. absolute scale everywhere. Uh, you know, everything everywhere all at once, you know, the same. Yep. Uh, and uh, that means we can't underestimate how complex it is to administer some of these programs, but also how to achieve scale. You know, you've yep. got to think of health and safety and the systems and the efficiencies that you create. Who are you working with? How do you partner to make sure that these programs are administered properly? Um, mm -hmm. And whether it's a, a whether it's a government program or whether it's uh, a program by a large retailer or an NGO, I've run all three yeah. and uh, they're all complex and yeah. uh, the same sort of considerations apply. And we've learnt a lot of how to work with industry, how to work with unions, how to put in place uh, controls and mechanisms around safety, around quality. Uh, we work really closely with regulators. Yeah. And I think there's great learnings there for other programs, both federally as well as in other jurisdictions. And, and we're always keen to learn just as much as we are to share. Yeah, fantastic. It's, it's a big job. So keep up the good work. And I really look forward to seeing how the um, interest rate loan goes for the batteries. It's going to be really, really interesting. I think it could be a winner. Thanks so much, Sophie. I'm a big fan of the show. So uh, great to appear after a few years being away. Yeah, we'll have you on again soon for more updates. <laughs> Thanks, Sophie. Thanks so You're the best. Thanks, Dan. See ya. And that was Stan Crippan um, talking to Sophie. Um, Sophie, interesting stuff. I'm fascinated by the fact that um, battery storage seems to be driven by rebates rather than zero interest loans or low interest loans. That's an interesting sort of um, take on the market because I think everyone's hoping that zero interest loans or low interest loans can actually sort of drive the uptake. But I'm not too sure people whether people are still thinking about that. It still means money out the door in there. Well, it shouldn't really, but, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe people like rebates better than... Yeah, well, it's More it's debt. really interesting. I I mean, they actually have just been doing rebates for the battery, and they're changing it this year. So come July, they're changing it to the zero interest loan, and hoping that will do better. Because um, I was really interested to hear Stan say that the because they offer for the solar, they offer the rebate and the zero interest loan, and that's been doing really well. Um, so yeah, and. The battery obviously hasn't gone as well as rooftop solar, the battery rebate. Um, so they're going to give that a try. But I did note in um, the ANU study um, by Björn Sternberg um, and co recently um, found that, yeah, people didn't really like zero interest loans as much as rebates because they really feel like that's that's money off and then therefore they're getting a discounted system. Um, it's really interesting. Whereas, um, you know, a zero interest loan is a great way to do it because you pay it off at the same time as you're having these savings. So it can really, um, you can see the benefits almost straight away.
Well, that's right, and you shouldn't really notice it. You should actually just see the savings, really, I suppose. But um, anyway, yeah. but it's, I mean, it's hard to get people to think that way, I suppose. It is, and it's especially hard, as it turns out, to get landlords to think that way because oh. uh, they're really struggling to get renters, um, get, you know, solar to renters. And it, it's um, interesting because, yeah, I mean, that's another thing that Stan touched on. They've just really struggled with that. Um, so where's the struggle? Is it, is it with the landlords? I was actually on an ABC radio program um, last week and there was a representative of the landlord lobby, that's what they are, and of the, land, the landlord group, and they said, well, we need help to install solar, on rooftop solar on our, on our rental property. I'm just going, hang on. If you're rich enough to have an investment property and it sounds like you've got three or four, then I think you can probably afford another 10 grand to put some solar on the roofs. In fact, maybe, if we're not going to do anything about negative gearing, maybe if you're going to have an investment property, maybe having rooftop solar and maybe even a battery should be compulsory for investment. Should be mandatory. I I absolutely agree. I mean, I think investment, property investment, you know, investors would say, well, rates have gone up, we're struggling, how can we, you know, possibly put more money in? But, uh, you know, I think some of these things really should just be coming standard now in the same way that you expect to have heating and cooling in a rental property, which, as we all know, doesn't, is not necessarily a fact. But, um, yeah, it should should be rooftop solar because, um, you know, this is, the, this is the area where, you know, this is where people really need it. And, yeah. and 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 the landlords are you know the one demographic or, or particularly the biggest demographic in the um, um, in, in society who can actually afford it. I mean, if they can afford to buy multiple properties um, and, and rent them out, then um, well, then you think do. so. And the yes. other thing is, they are getting help. You know, they there are quite well, everyone's, a everyone's, lot of. <laughs> Yes, we're paying yeah. for their we're paying for their mortgage loan because they're deducting it from their tax. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so, Solar Victoria has a thing has a rebate for landlords. You know, so there is actually there are discounts in the same way that homeowners are getting discounts. You know, so I mean, a little less complaining, a little more doing. And I think what they would find is that their properties would be far more attractive. And what the ANU study found, which was interesting, was that they thought probably the realtors should be doing more work as the middlemen, the property managers. So they're the ones talking to the to the, um, to the the renters and to the landlords and perhaps that it should be up to them to do a bit more educating of, of, of the landlords saying, look, this is what renters are looking for, this is what's attractive, um, this is when you could ask a bit more rent, that kind of thing. But, um, yes. you know, I don't know, I agree. I think they should just put them on there, well, stop whining. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Stop whining. Yeah, I know. Look, I mean, right now, what they seem to be doing is just trying to sort of, um, you know, have an auction for the rent at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, um, uh, stories in Sydney and even up here are just sort of absolutely shocking. But um, there you go. Yeah, well, it's the same here. And, and it's it all ties into this, this talk at the moment of cost of living and hardship. And, you know, because we've just had this, um, you know, price rise coming, another price rise coming for electricity prices. That you know, it's re- it's re- it's even bigger now, and it's even um, AGL's come along and said that for its hardship program, which all of the retailers need to have, that it's going to start offering solar installation to some of its hardship customers as a way to a longer term solution. So instead of just rebates or credits on the bill or a long term payment plan, going here's a much longer term solution to your problem. But 
what does strike me is that a lot of the hardship customers are going to be renters. So, well, exactly, uh, and, and probably yeah. not probably not around long enough. That house has sort of been from the solid exactly. that may be installed by AGL. And then we're back to square one. Yes. Okay. Um, look, um, one of those things, and it often happens with these interviews, is that you do you record an interview with someone, and um, then they say something even more interesting afterwards. Um, yes. So I, think, I think that's what you want to tell <laughs> us and the audience, because um, we've heard a lot about sort of um, um, dynamic exports in South Australia, which is kind of leading the world in the uptake of rooftop solar. Rooftop is the only place in the whole world on a gigawatt scale grid where rooftop solar meets all sort of you know local network demand on occasions and, and that sort of proposes some sort of challenges on a, um, or can pose challenges for the uh, grid operator to sort of keep everything stable and have the ability to sort of flick a few switches and respond if something dramatic happens. Um, but Stan was also talking about dynamic exports, you better tell us what he said. Yes, well so one of the, one of the no things that they put in their notice to market uh, this and the end of this financial year just last week was that they, uh, I think it's a recommendation at the moment, um, that they want all new inverters to have this capability to allow for dynamic exports, which means that, you know, at certain times the grid might want you to export more of your solar and other times they might want less. But the point is there's not a hard limit. So what they found in South Australia was that everyone was limited to five kilowatts maximum. Um, and that's the same in Victoria. And what they want to try and do is make that more flexible because, of course, that would work so much better with the grid. And what Stan told me after the interview is that um, in all of the cons consultation that he's done with, with South Australia on this, um, because obviously we're following their lead here in Victoria, um, was that it's been, a, it's been a real success. And what we were saying is that it's not sort of... A lot has talked about how this is necessary for the grid and how the market operator demands it and utilities will need to take control and it sort of sounds negative to, for the consumer but what he was saying is it's been a really positive story for solar households in South Australia because they're actually on average exporting more. So households that were once limited to five kilowatts are now on average exporting eight kilowatts, um, you know, which is... Which is Great, and it well, it was just, a good thing because there's probably no reason for them to be limited in the first place. It was just sort of over caution, but um, and this but, is the thing, you know. And it's, I mean, I think we'll always say it's probably the biggest benefit you can get from your solar is by using it yourself. Um, you know, it, it's good to know that when the grid needs it, it can get there. That's right. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. It's 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 one thing to sort of chase coal fired power station out of the grid, but um, it's a um, it's also a good thing to be really useful for the uh, for the grid. Yes. And that's kind of what rooftop solar is. Yeah, um, and this is where Stan so in is interesting because he's been there for a while now, trying to both incentivise you know clean energy technologies, but also trying to get the regulations right and the rules for industry right and and the incentives for the consumer right you know and it's it's pr pretty complicated and i think what he feels is that what whatever however else it's going they are on a really interesting and steep learning curve that they'll be able to share constantly with other people and it's, a, it's become a huge information source you know hmm. excellent stuff okay well look um is there anything else to report from the solar news over the last couple of weeks um that we need to tell our listeners or should we wrap it it's up? It's been there? another quiet couple of weeks, hasn't it? There's been a lot of people sort of talking about things, but not so much doing.
doing? I don't know what it is. No. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, look, I mean, I, it, it's kind of interesting though. We may, maybe mentioned some of the community battery stuff that sort of come out. Oh yes, um, that's we, we had interesting. A re- yeah, a drip feed. A drip feed. A drip feed. It's sort of you know you think they sort of come out and say okay, there's community batteries everywhere, but it's kind of not happening that way. And <laughs> we're sort of being told by individual winners, you know, bit by bit, saying oh we got a battery. And I think yeah. the people in Richmond said we got a battery. <laughs> We've got funding for a battery, but we don't know where to put it yet. Um, yeah. And um, and um, um, oh God. The We've had the Hepburn. Hepburn. I couldn't think yes. of their name. <laughs> and the good old community wind farm, Hepburn Wind, with its two turbines, I think, are they called? Is it Gale and Gusty? Gusto. Gusto. <laughs> Not Gusty. Gale and Gusto. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, they're getting a battery. And they got funding. But, it, yeah, I think, I mean, to be fair, I don't think everyone's as interested in community batteries as we are. <laughs> but, uh, yes, you would, you would think that they would have a bit more of a coordinated announcement. But it's quite interesting the way they've, they've split the funding between the Department of Climate and Energy and ARENA. And then um, the department's kind of split that again into one competitive round and one non-competitive round. Mm. And Hepburn, it turns out, was one of two uh, participants in the non-competitive round. So I think they got a pre-election promise Ah. is what I think. Uh, At the bottom of the the barrel, or at the top of the barrel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But we've got, gosh, the the Richmond one, which is Yarra Energy Foundation, um, that was in the competitive tender. So that's also starting to come out. Meanwhile, Arena's got 100 and... 71 million of grants it can give out but it hasn't even closed its its tender process yet so it's okay. a competitive process so and that seems yeah. to be that seems to be a mixture of community groups plus big retailers plus and distribution networks distribution networks yeah. and stuff like that everyone seems to be able to get a hand in there somehow so it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that sort of divvied up and to what purpose these community yes. batteries and I think are put to a lot of it's being worked out on the fly I mean not I make it sound very casual, but it's. I don't think everyone has worked out the full, you know, way to use community batteries, how to monetize them, how to, what services they can offer, what they, sh- you know, whether they should be there for the community, as is suggested in the very name of the scheme, or whether it's more about balancing the grid and and and, you know, helping the the DNSPs do their job. So, yeah, it's, it'd be very interesting to see. But well, it's supposed to be 50-50, so it'll be, you know, only half network companies. Okay. So It'll I guess we should be grateful see. for small mercies. <laughs> well, look, they're the Swiss Army knives of the grid, so they should be able to do everything that anyone wants they them should. to do. So, they should, know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, any care. Well, look, Sophie, I think we might just sort of wrap it up there. Thank you very much for the uh, interview with uh, Stam Krupan. I want to call him Kirpan, but it's Kripan. It's Kripan, he tells me. I said Kripan and he said, oh, good enough. And I said, well, we don't do good enough here. (laughs) Let's get it right. (laughs) Let's call you the name you'd like to be called. 
Oh, they're very good. Um, and also, um, for those who um, haven't caught up yet, um, Sophie's interview last week um, or a fortnight ago with um, Andy McCarthy from formerly Gippsland Solar and RACV Solar. Um, Andy's probably um, driving around Europe now with his family or somewhere. Gosh, but um, fascinating yes. interview anyway, just really interesting sort of insight into the uh, rapid evolution of the uh, rooftop solar industry. And of course, don't forget your uh, latest episodes of the Energy Insiders Podcast Plus as well. The Driven Podcast um, on all things electric vehicles too. So um, they're all running around to sort of keep you amused while you're doing your gardening, driving the kids to school or whenever, whatever else you're doing when you're listening to podcasts. Um, thank you very much to the sponsors of the uh, Solar Insiders Podcast. And look, we'll be back again in a fortnight with another interesting interview and a catch up of the latest news. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Pylon. Pylon provides easy-to-use solar design software for installers and retailers with pay-as-you-go pricing, no monthly costs and no locking contracts. Join Australia's top solar companies who trust Pylon to design high-resolution, CEC-ready solar proposals. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Nextracker, delivering some of the highest-performing solar assets in the country. Like a sunflower follows the sun, Nextracker's market-leading solar solutions deliver optimal return on investment for utility solar farms in Australia. Check out their flagship NX Horizon Smart Solar Tracker, their intelligent optimization software, and the industry's most advanced terrain-following solar tracking technology, NX Horizon XTR.